0: By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valibeitmadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Shalom, friends. It's a delight to be here with Rabbi Yonatan Narrell, who found, founded and directs the Interfaith Center. For sustainable Development and its Jewish Eco-Seminars Branch. Raised in California, Rabbi Yonatan completed an MA and BA from Stanford and received rabbinical ordination in Israel. He speaks internationally on religion and ecology. Rabbi Nero, thank you for taking time to talk. It's great to be here. Thank you. So I'm excited to hold your Eco-Bible, Volume 1 an Ecological Commentary on Genesis and Exodus. Uh, co. Uh, co-edited by yourself and uh, my old chavrutan friend, Rabbi Leo D. Um, I'd I'd love to hear more about this. Why Why did you decide to write this?
1: Well, we decided to write it because oftentimes when I meet religious people and I say what I do, they say to me, well, religion is one thing and ecology is another thing and the two are not connected. And that surprises me because based on the learning that I've done in Jewish teachings, there's a deep connection between Judaism and ecology. And so what we've done with Eco Bible is we've revealed that there's hundreds of verses that have ecological content and we've sort of mined the, the Jewish library for Jewish teachings from the millennia from Maimonides and Ralph Cook and others. And we've put them into this this one volume on Genesis and Exodus, and we're coming out with volume two on Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in this coming year. Amazing. And how
0: um, how do you think about trying to get this out there right now?
1: Well, we're making a number of efforts. We've actually been blessed to receive a grant, so we're distributing it to hundreds of rabbis, priests, and pastors in the U.S., and Israel, and England, and Africa. We've also... Uh, published it on Amazon and on Ingram, so it's available in bookstores, on Barnes and Noble, iBooks, Kobo as an ebook, as a paperback, we're publishing as a hardcover, going out to libraries, so we're really trying to make a lot of efforts right now to, not just so this is going to be, you know, a couple hundred copies printed, but that this will really reach the heart and minds of a lot of people. Amazing, so it's called Eco-Bible.
0: How do you think about um, the rabbinic tradition as interwoven with
1: the biblical tradition? Well, it's we, we call it eco Bible because the word uh, Torah is is not as well understood in the Christian world, and therefore, but it's really in, it's it's a rabbinic commentary on the Torah. Uh, but that that would be too too long of a title, uh, and so you know you can see from the index and the glossary that we're actually relating to over a hundred rabbis. Uh, And we also bring the views of a hundred scientists. So it's also a combination of religion and science. And for that reason, it's been a number one bestseller on the Amazon religion and science category, a number one bestseller on the Amazon uh, Jewish theology category for Kindle books. Because you're so involved in in both interfaith work
0: and um, environmental work, and really the intersection of the two, what do you think is something most unique that Jews have to contribute to that discourse and what is one of the most uh, unique things that Jews can receive from other faith traditions in, in terms
1: of how they think of this? Well, this book is my offering to that discourse. I just got off the phone with the National Environment Officer of the Church of England. It's amazing. The Church of England has uh, these dioceses, these different areas, uh, and every diocese has an environment officer. And they and they even have... have They're doing all these different programs um, and but the question is where in the teaching and preaching is is religion and ecology showing up. So what we've tried to do is through these hundreds of commentaries is make a very sort of ready made uh, teaching that that lay people can look at, but also something that clergy can use for their sermons. So I think that's a Jewish contribution to this to show that 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 ecological thinking is organic to the Torah. And, and what can Jews gain from this? Well, I, I find, you know, for example, we offer we, uh, monthly interfaith ecological webinars. And I find that when there's an interfaith conversation with a rabbi, a priest and an imam on ecological sustainability, we're all enriched by that.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Okay, one last question for you. So on a spiritual level, it's obvious um, to many of us what we can gain here in terms of how we think about our relationship to the planet, uh, to our partnership with the divine, um, and just the spiritual meaning that's imbued in, in our uh, moral responsibility. But if you were to look at the activist or organizational level, what is, you know, if you had one concrete goal, for example, of something that religious people of all backgrounds around the world would do after reading a book like this, something that they would do to take a stand in the world to help to preserve um, uh, the planet from uh, from incoming destruction,
1: what would you point to? Well, I think one concrete example relates to moving toward or embracing a plant-based diet. In the first chapter of Genesis, God doesn't say that many things to people. But one thing that God does say to people is, eat plants. And then the next verse is, God says to animals, eat plants. And the Torah says, and it was so. And then the next verse says that God saw that it was very good. Well, what was very good about it? According to one understanding, it was that that life did not take life to sustain life, the lion lay down with the lamb, and that that we didn't have to kill each other for food, meaning the creatures didn't kill each other. There's actually some scientific evidence that uh, crocodiles from a million years ago were herbivores. We think of crocodiles as the paradigmatic carnivore, but apparently they had herbivore teeth a million years ago, according to people who study this. So one message that we're trying to bring up, and it relates to something that the Rabbi Abraham Isaac HaKohan Cook taught, he was the first rabbi of pre-state Israel, that when, the, when God says to people to eat plants, and even though that vision was lost after the f- flood of Noah and the, the wicked generation that was destroyed, and then God said to people, okay, you can eat animals, but Rav Cook teaches that in a t- future time, we're gonna return to that vision. And Rav Cook said that in 1903, And a lot of people, I I know you included, but hundreds of rabbis as well believe that that time has come. It's not like 100 years ago when our ancestors were, you know, some of our ancestors were in northeastern Europe, where, you know, in the winter there was only cabbage and beets to eat, uh, as, as well as animal products. We're in a time where Vegan and especially vegetarian food is very much available to us. There's there's alternatives to meat, there's alternatives to dairy, there's alternatives to eggs. And we can live a healthier lifestyle and a lifestyle that's more resonant with Jewish values about compassion to animals by moving toward and embracing a plant-based lifestyle. So that's one concrete message that
0: comes out of this book. What a powerful message and a powerful message about how we can be so traditionally rooted and also how Torah... Uh, inspires and challenges us to be deeply responsive to the moment, and what a sacred duty to re- be responsible to this. Friends, we could talk all day about this, and I wish we could, but you just got to pick up Eco-Bible. This is volume one, an and, and, and ecological commentary on Genesis and Exodus, co-edited by
1: Rabbi Yonatan Nero and Rabbi Leo D. Thank you, and keep up your amazing work.